Well, good morning, church. How are you this morning? And almost happy new year. I know many of you plan to stay up, I think, or maybe you're, you're not into that kind of thing. Well, our family is planning to uh, do that. I am going no sugar again next year, so I am going to be eating anything and everything in sight this afternoon. Well, let's stand together. We're going to sing that familiar hymn, Blessed Be the Name of the Lord. He reigns above, He is supreme, He is majestic, and He gave His Son for us. All right, let's sing it out on this first verse together. All praise to Him who reigns above in majesty supreme, who gave His Son for man to die, that He Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name. Now before we sing that second verse, I think some of you all have not told your faces that you are awake, and it is the morning time. So let's lift our voices and praise God on the second verse. His name above, all names shall stand. His name above, all names shall stand, exalted more and more. At God the Father. Sing it out on that chorus once more together. 
Jesus, no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The name above every name is the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, for loving us, for giving your Son so that we could have a relationship with you, so that we could have eternal life and be with you forever. Oh, how wonderful it is to be saved. God, thank you for everyone here today. We come to the last day of the year we ask you god to bless us to bless this service we want to lift up jesus christ we want to honor you in all that we say and do we love you god because you love us bless us now we thank you for it in jesus name amen you may be seated Guess what? Next Sunday, we are celebrating our 82nd anniversary. God has been so good to us for 82 years. That is amazing. Well, we're having a wonderful service next Sunday, and then following it, we'll have a legacy luncheon, and we want you to go to your newsletter and sign up to let us know what food you'll be able to bring. It's gonna be a great day, and we hope to have a huge crowd there. Today, after the morning service, we will be taking down all of the Christmas decorations, and the more helpers we get, the faster it will go. So we hope that you'll come out and help us get it done. It's amazing what our church can accomplish when we work together as a team. Well, on Saturday, January 20th, we are gonna do a church-wide refresh day. And we're gonna get this church looking great. We have jobs for everybody. The time is from nine to 3 p.m. and we're gonna provide lunch for all that come. There are jobs, little jobs for anyone, bigger jobs, we have jobs for everyone. And many hands make light the work, so we want everyone to come out and help get the church looking beautiful. Our missionaries of the week are Nate and Emily Wilkerson serving in the country of Benin in West Africa. They recently finished studying French in Burkina Faso, where they worked with veteran missionaries and learned West African culture. They have moved to Benin and will soon be starting a new church. Please pray this week for the Wilkersons and the country of Benin. It's the last day of the year, so I figured I'd just mess up the order of service just to uh, finish the year wrong. Uh, <laughs> we don't have choir or special music today, so I'm things, seeing things marked off, and I skipped right over uh, welcoming our guests, and that's very important, so I'm sorry. If you are here for the first time, we're very glad that you're here. We appreciate you being here. If you're watching online for the first time, we welcome you and we appreciate you as well. We've got a number of people that watch online every week, and uh, we do appreciate that. It's important. Some of our 
people are shut-ins. They can't get to church anymore. So the online, uh, be, having services online is important. Now, if you got used to online during COVID and haven't come back, uh, you know, we, things have opened up. Come on back. Uh, I don't know that we have anybody like that, but I, I know a lot of churches have had a problem with that. I really don't know of any of our people that are doing that. But if you are, come on in here. Those who are here, we do welcome you. And if you're here for the first time, we're glad to have you with us. You should have received a welcome packet uh, from our visitor center out here, Welcome Center. If you did not, there is a connection card in the pew right in front of you, that little white card. Uh, we would love to hear from you. We would love to connect with you. We would love to pray for you. And it asked on there today's date, December 31st, and then your prayer request. We believe in prayer, and we would love to pray for you. So please let us know how we can pray for you. And I promise you, if you will fill that out either online and if you're, if you're watching online, you can go to our website, click on I'm new here. There's an online version or the card in the pew. There's a QR code. You can do it that way on your phone or you can just do it the old fashioned way, write it out and give it to the ushers at the end of the service. I promise you we will be praying for you. There, we also have a free gift for you, but we have to have your email address to send it. So if you give us your email address, we will get that right out to you. And we do welcome you. We're very glad that you're here today. All right, let's stand together and we'll continue singing. One thing that doesn't change is the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? His death, his burial, and his resurrection. He lives, he rules, and reigns for us today. Let's sing it out about him this morning. I was a wretch, I remember who I was. I was lost, I was blind, I was running out of time. Sin separated, the breach was far too wide. But from the far side of the chasm, you held me in your sight So you made a way Across the great divide Left behind heaven's throne To build it here inside And there at the cross You paid the debt I owe Broke my chains, freed my for the first time I had hope. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, it has washed me white. Thank you, Jesus, you have we sing the second verse together. You took my place and inside my tomb of sin. You were buried for three days, but then you walked right out again. And now death has no sting, and life has no end. 
a bit, don't they? I was eating my healthy donut earlier, and Rebecca and I were talking about how much I weighed when we first got married, and I was like, really? I weighed that much? And yes, but you know one thing that doesn't change is Jesus Christ. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Please be seated. Great singing this morning. I don't want to think about what I weighed when I got married. (laughs) It was three or four pounds less. We're going to take some time. Yeah, somebody laughed at that. It was, uh, <laughs> I was going to say 30 or 40. It wasn't that much less. But uh, anyway, we're going to take some time to pray. If you would like to come to the altar, I invite you to do that at this time. A couple of new prayer requests. Uh, Muriel is dealing with COVID, so she is at home. Uh, please keep her in prayer as she uh, is quarantined presently, um, and also Tim Pettit's father passed away this week, so he was 94, and Tim said it was time, but it's still, it's always hard to lose a parent, so let's be praying for the family, let's pray. Father, we love you. Indeed, great is your faithfulness. You've been so good to us. Oh, God, so good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Most of all for Jesus, but God, we're not just saved. Jesus said, I'm come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. If we just didn't have to go to hell, it'd be wonderful, but you give us so much more. Oh, how good you are to us. 
made us your sons, adopted us into your family. It's wonderful to be a child of God. It's, it's just great. This world is such a mess. There's so much pain and heartache, wars and, and violence and evil throughout the world. And yet, God, you love us. You love us so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, we do lift up Muriel and ask you to deliver her from COVID quickly. She said she's starting to get better. The first few days were rough. We pray for her complete healing, rapid healing. We know there's a lot of people that have struggled with long COVID. We pray that that would not be the case. Protect her from that. Get her over this quickly and protect her family. We don't want anyone else to get it. Uh, we lift up the Pettit family, God. We pray for Tim and his family, the loss of his father. God, bless the family. Uh, death is the hardest part of life, but God, use this for your glory. Use it to draw people to Christ. We lift up Dale Williams as he uh, is recovering from a tumor removed from his liver. We pray for Teresa Conrad. We continue to lift her up and Thank you for her. Rebecca Morgan, if she continues to heal, we pray for complete healing. Uh, T. Smith, as she continues to recover. And John O'Neill as well. And my wife, Peggy Griffin, Harry Mosby, and Ken Harriet. All these people are in recovery. God, we pray for complete and total healing. We lift up the nation of Israel when we think of war. What's going on over there is horrible. It's horrible. People are dying. God, bring people to Christ. Use this to draw the nation of Israel to Christ, to draw the Palestinians to Christ. People need Jesus. Oh, how they need Jesus. God, turn them to you. And Father, bless the message now as we look to your word this last day of the year. God, use this to challenge us, to bless us, to draw us closer to you, uh, to, to give us some determination of things that we need to do or to change in the year to come. God, use me. Give me the words you once said, nothing more and nothing less. We love you, God, because you love us. And we thank you for all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may return to your seats. Go with me to Psalm 139. I'm going to be in a lot of different passages today, but mostly in the book of Psalms. But I want to ask you, first of all, what do you do every day? Uh, what's your morning routine? What do you do first when you wake up? M most people have a morning thing that they do. Uh, when I get up, I do just a couple of things and, and I have to take the dog out. Actually, first the dog wants to eat. Occasionally, she runs to the door. It means she's got to go outside. Uh, the dog loves food, just ridiculously. Um, she loves food like I love sugar, but she's even worse. I've seen the dog go to the bathroom while eating because it's like, I got to have food, but I'm not going to stop to go outside first. I hate when she does that. Um, so, I, you know, I got to take care of the dog and make my tea. I don't drink coffee. I don't know why anybody would drink coffee. That stuff is so nasty. And three quarters of you are addicted to it. I understand. Um, 
And I can't drink black tea because I used to, but it causes kidney stones. But I can drink green tea. It's just nice to have something warm to, to drink and to sip in the morning. And I, then I go sit in my chair and pray and read my Bible, have time with the Lord. You know, there's, a, there's a routine that happens pretty much every day. There are things that you do every day. I brush your teeth. I hope you do that every day. Um, uh, is Armstrong here? I don't see Armstrong. Uh, we have a dentist in our church. He hopes you brush your teeth every day and floss as well. Um, there's things you do every day. I hope you take a shower at least most, most days anyway. Um, some people have one. I'm just kidding. Uh, we have routines and we have things we do. In Psalm 139, Psalm 139, verse 23, David said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Can you pray that and honestly mean it? Do you really want God to examine you? The new year is a natural time for reflection. Tomorrow, many of you will make New Year's resolutions. Brother Morgan just told us he's not eating sugar in 2024. Wow, he did it a few years ago. Didn't eat sugar all year long. That's a great resolution. Uh, a lot of people make New Year's resolutions. Few people keep them all the way to the end of January. My last New Year's resolution, resolution I made, I've kept for more than 20 years. Because I made a New Year's resolution to never make any more New Year's resolutions. <laughs> it's the only one I ever kept. So I'm not making any. Because then I would be breaking my old one. Um, but... Even at that, there's things I strive for. It, it is a natural time to reflect on our life, to see, lives to see what are we doing well and what are we doing not so well, or even horribly. Where are we? It's good to look at that. Self-examination is important. Paul told the Corinthians to examine themselves before they, they took part of the Lord's table, communion. He said, you need to check yourself. You need to make sure you're right. You need to make sure there's no sin that you haven't dealt with, that you're going into this clean. He even said, some are sickly. He was writing to the church at Corinth. He said, some of you are sick and some of you have died because you messed around with the Lord's table. Well, that's scary, isn't it? That, that's a sobering thought. I'd make you examine yourself. Yeah, I'm not going into that lightly. I'm going to make sure I'm clean before God, uh, before I take that bread and drink that juice. That's what he told us to do. He also told the Corinthians, he said, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. You need to take a good look at your life and make sure you're saved. Oh, I know I'm saved uh, because I made a profession of faith and I got baptized. That, no. Is there evidence of salvation in your life? You prayed a prayer and you got wet. 
doesn't mean you're saved. If you're saved, it ought to show. Jesus said you will know them by their what? Baptismal certificate hanging on their wall or stuffed in a drawer? No, he said you'll know them by their fruit. If there is no fruit, there is no root. You should be able to see that somebody's saved. Examine yourself. Do you know that you're saved? David, look at these verses again. David wrote this, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David understood that his own heart is deceptive. Jeremiah, who came long after David, said the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. Do you know how wicked our hearts are? You think about that. The heart is deceitful above all things. The most deceitful thing in the universe is your heart and my heart. You cannot trust your heart. Do not follow your heart. Will get you in trouble. Follow the word of God. David knew. He's like, no, no, I, I can't trust myself to examine myself. God, show me. Lord, search me. Now listen, if you mean it, and God knows the intentions, God knows your heart better than you do. Uh, if you really will say, God, search me, show me, he'll do it. And it's almost guaranteed he's going to show you something you never thought of. Wait, what? No, I don't. I don't have a problem with pride. It's all these other people, not me. No, if God says you have a problem with pride, you have a problem with pride. If you have a hard time believing you have a problem with pride, I guarantee you have a problem with pride. And I say that from personal experience. One time I kept hearing things about pride. I thought, why am I hearing this? I don't have a problem with pride. And I went to my wife and said, honey, I'm hearing a lot about pride. Do I have a problem with pride? She said, well, uh, well, uh, she didn't want to say, I'm like, what? I have a problem with pride. She's like, yeah, I had no idea. No clue. God was telling me. I didn't want to hear it. And I stepped back and I started looking. I'm like, ooh, oh, yeah, I did that. Oh, that was ugly. Oh, yeah, I keep doing that. Oh, no, no. I didn't have a clue. Let God search you. You won't like what you hear. But later you're glad that you heard it. It's like, God, I, I'm sorry. I didn't even know that was a problem. Now, sometimes we like to minimize the problems. A friend of mine years ago, he had a problem with cigarettes. He smoked cigarettes. And like, I'm not attacking you if you smoke cigarettes. See, smoking cigarettes will not send you to hell. They'll make you smell like you've been there. But they won't send you there. Smoking is not the unpardonable sin. It is a sin. Sorry, folks. You cannot justify smoking cigarettes. You're killing yourself. Now, there's uh, overeating and eating a whole bunch of sugar. That's bad, too. That is sin. It's gluttony. 
Okay, we don't, that's like the, the not bad sin to us, especially Baptists, because we like to eat. Uh, but it is, you know, to moderation. We're told to have temperance, which means self-discipline. Uh, if you can't control this, it's bad. But this friend of mine here, he was smoking cigarettes. And in his mind, he's doing everything else right. And he said, I, I don't want to hear about the cigarettes. It's no big deal. And he, in effect, said, you know, God better just leave me alone about the cigarettes. Because I'm doing all these other things for him. He didn't say it in those words, but really, that's what he was saying. And then he had a heart attack. And... And lived alone and laid there for two days before anybody found him. And very nearly died. And after that, he didn't smoke cigarettes anymore. And all he said was, I was wrong. I was wrong. God was telling me to deal with it, and I didn't want to deal with it. I thought, I'm, I witness to people every day, and I do this for God, and I do that for God, and he needs to just leave me alone. God needs to just let that sin sin slide because I do all these other good things. That's a pride issue too. And he was wrong. And he admitted he was wrong and he quit smoking. Don't, don't let it take something like that. Too many people play with sin until they get in trouble. And sin causes more sin. And next thing you know, you got all kinds of problems. Health problems, Marriage problems, problems at work, uh, because you dabbled in sin. So it's good to examine ourselves. Let's look in uh, Psalm 68, and I want to give you a key word. One key word is, is really the key word of this message, but it really will impact the rest of your life. And that word is daily. Daily. Psalm 68, verse 19, it says, Blessed be the Lord, who daily loadeth us with benefits. Daily. You know, God blesses us every single day. Every day. Blessed, blessed, blessed. You got up this morning, you're blessed. I, I don't think anyone in this room got up this morning and said, I wonder where I might find food. There's no food in this house. I have no money. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know when I will eat again. You know, for a, a large, a high number of the population of this world, and I don't remember the percentage, I wish I did, uh, but it's like 10% or more of the people on earth do not know when they will eat again. We don't live like that in this country. I know when I'll eat again as soon as I get home. Food's in the refrigerator waiting for me. I have a date with the microwave to heat it up. Eat it. We know when we're going to eat again. It's today. I'm going to eat today, and I'm going to eat again tonight. I've gotten in this habit of doing it about three times a day. More like five or six times a day. That's a different problem. My diet starts on uh, Tuesday. I, got, I really need to lose some weight. I, I, since my back surgery, I've gained about 12 pounds. 
because I can't exercise like I normally do, and it's catching up with me, so I, I got to get rid of that. Um, but does God not bless us daily? You know where your next meal is coming from. That's a blessing much of the world does not have. You think, well, that's a little thing. We take it for granted. We do. In this country, we take it for granted. Now, listen, I, I'm, don't misunderstand. I do realize there are some people in this country that don't know where their next meal is coming from. We do have places set up for them. We support, our church supports the Baltimore Rescue Mission. They do a wonderful work. And, and by the way, pray for them. Effective tomorrow, they have a new director. Uh, Brother Chuck Bittner has been here many times. Wonderful, godly man. And he is retiring, at least semi-retiring. He's going to stick around and, and do a lot of counseling with the guys. But he's turning over, leading that ministry to his son-in-law. Um, and I want to get him in here soon, too, so we can meet him and hear from him. Uh, but it's a great ministry. They feed hundreds of people every day. Every day, feeding people. Uh, so there, we do have places, but not everybody can get to these places. Um, it, it's a big problem. God blesses us. Food. Shelter. Nobody here slept outside last night. Or in your car. At least I don't think you did. And if you did, we want to try to help you. Uh, there are, again, Baltimore Rescue Mission. They house people. There's a rescue mission in D.C. There's different places that house people and help people. We're blessed. God loads us with benefits daily. Well, if God blesses us daily... What are some things that God tells us we should be doing daily? Daily matters. So I want to look at a few things that God tells us to do daily. The first one is to pray. In Psalm 86, I told you we'll stay mostly in Psalms, but some other places. Psalm 86 and verse 3. Be merciful unto me, O Lord, for I cry unto thee daily. Psalm 88, verse 9. Mine eye mourneth by reason of affliction. Lord, I have called daily upon thee. We're supposed to pray daily. The Lord's Prayer in the New Testament, we call it the Lord's Prayer. It's the model prayer that Jesus said. He said, pray like this, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. He did not say, give us for the week all the food that we're going to need. No, it says, give us this day. We're supposed to pray daily. What if you didn't get any food until you prayed for it? Mm -hmm. What if you got up in the morning and the cabinets were empty and you had to pray to get food? We'd be praying more, wouldn't we? The cabinet stayed empty until we prayed, morning, noon, and night. Truth is, it'd be good for us. Uh, kind of glad God doesn't do that, but if he did, that'd be okay. As long as he, we always got it when we pray. In Psalm 55, 
Psalm 55, verse 16. As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. David said, I'm not just going to pray daily. I'm going to pray morning, noon, and night. That's the way it's supposed to be. We should be praying. In the book of Daniel, Daniel uh, was a great man in the kingdom. And the, the king, of course, he was under Nebuchadnezzar and then Belteshazzar, and the uh, kingdom was taken over by the Medes and the Persians. And in Daniel chapter 6, by the way, if you don't read your Bible, you miss so much. Some of you only read the New Testament. Or you, you'll read Genesis. You'll start tomorrow reading through your Bible, and you'll read Genesis, and it's good, and Exodus, and you're like, okay, okay, I like this. And you get to Leviticus, and it's like, oh, brother, that's some tough sledding. Leviticus is not easy to read. Uh, numbers is a little better. Deuteronomy, that's kind of tough, too. By the way, Jewish children had to memorize the book of Deuteronomy. The, Jesus quoted often the book of Deuteronomy. He often gave quoted partial verses even. Why? Because they all knew the book of Deuteronomy. Everybody had it memorized. Everybody Jesus dealt with, well, all the Jews, he dealt with the Gentiles at times. All the Jews had memorized the book of Deuteronomy. How would you like to memorize that? Aren't you glad that's not what we teach in school? It would be a whole lot better if we did teach that in school. Every kid memorizes Deuteronomy. It would be a good thing. Uh, but when we get to, uh, I say that because if you read the book of Daniel, now if you get that far, you might as well read all the way through the Old Testament. It's 12 chapters. The last six are a little tough because it's all prophecy. Nobody fully understands what it's talking about, and I say that because people will tell you what it's talking about, but you get different opinions because it's prophecy. And we're not sure some of it exactly what it means and how it's going to be fulfilled. Much of it is not yet fulfilled. But the first six chapters uh, are just easy-to-read stories and wonderful. Uh, they're great. Chapter 1 uh, you've got Daniel and his three friends determined not to eat the, the king's meat. They weren't going to defile their diet, and God blessed them for that. In chapter 2, I always get chapters 2 and 3 mixed up. Uh, I think chapter, one of them is the three Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace, and the other one is... Uh, when the king, I think chapter 2 is when the king had a dream and nobody could tell him what the dream meant. And the king said, I don't want you to tell me the interpretation. I want you to tell me what the dream is because I forgot the dream. So tell me the dream and tell me the interpretation. They said, that's impossible. Nobody can do that. Well, then I'm going to kill y'all. And Daniel said, I got this. No, he said, God's got this. And God will tell me. So just hang on, king. I'll let you know what it is. And God told him the dream and the interpretation. Chapter 3 is the three Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace. Chapter 4 is, uh, why did I start this one? I'm not sure of these. I should, I should have had this written down. Um, oh, chapter 4 is Nebuchadnezzar's dream. 
uh, where he has a dream and God turns Nebuchadnezzar into an animal for seven years and makes him eat grass like a cow. Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babylon, the greatest kingdom in the world at that time, world empire, and God turns the king into a cow for seven years until the king is humbled and comes back and says, you know what, God's in charge and he gives the power to whoever he wants. It is a great chapter. Got to read that. Uh, chapter five is when you get the, you can't, the, the, the phrase, the expression, you can't read the writing on the wall, comes from Daniel chapter five, where Daniel interprets writing for the new king, uh, Nebuchadnezzar's either son or grandson, that's debated. Um, he will not follow God and is sinful. And Daniel tells him what the writing says and, and says, you're going to die tonight. That night, the Medes and the Persians took Babylon and captured it. And chapter 6, Daniel, under new king, we get Daniel in the lion's den. And what's so wonderful about Daniel, and I, I just say all that to encourage you, read your Bible. There's great stuff in there. Read it. It'll bless you. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 4, it says, Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. You see, Daniel was promoted higher than anybody else, and they were jealous of him. And they said, this is, how are we going to get anything against Daniel? They're, they're looking for dirt on Daniel's life. You know, our politicians today would never do anything like that. <laughs> they're trying to dig up dirt on Daniel, and they can't find anything. It says, but they could find none occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men... We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. They said, we can't get anything on Daniel unless we find something to do with his God, because he's so faithful to his God. So they tricked the king and get him to sign a decree that nobody can pray to any God or ask anything of any God or anyone except of the king for 30 days. And the king signs it, and the law of the Medes and Persians was once a law is passed, it cannot, you can't get rid of it. Kind of a dumb thing that they did, because uh, sometimes you pass dumb laws like this one. So they, they get to sing, him to sign that, the king to sign it. And verse 10, it says, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, Daniel knew it's now illegal to pray to any god to ask anything except of the king and if you do it you're going to be thrown in the lion's den when Daniel knew that it was signed he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did a four time Daniel changed nothing he went and prayed Three times a day, just like he did before the decree. And he even opened the windows so anybody could see him. He opened the windows and he prayed toward Jerusalem. Which if you go back to the Old Testament, when the temple was built, they said, pray 
toward the temple. If you're out of the country, you were to pray toward the temple. So he opened the window that pointed toward Jerusalem, which would have been to the south, and he prayed. And he didn't care that that decree was signed. And so, of course, they come and get Daniel. Hey, Daniel's broken the law. Throw him in the lion's den. And God closed the mouths of the lions. And Daniel was spared. And then the men who came up with this plan, the king threw them in the lion's den, and the lions did not spare them. They died quickly. What a man of God Daniel was. He's one of the few men of God, few men in the Bible that there's nothing, no sin of theirs recorded. Well, any sin recorded of Daniel. He's a great, great man of God. So let me ask you, what do you do every day in prayer? Is prayer a part of your daily life? If you don't have a time for prayer, you will not have time for prayer. Whether it's first thing in the morning or last thing at night, I definitely think morning's better. Give us this day our daily bread. It's hard to pray that right before you go to bed, isn't it? You need to have a time for prayer. Are you daily in prayer? Let's look next at, at Bible study. Acts 17, 11 talks about the Bereans, and it says they were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they searched the Scriptures daily. They searched the Scriptures daily. Are you in the Bible every day? Memorizing, meditating. Honestly, that's the thing I find the hardest, to read the Bible. I don't have any problem with that. Memorize Scripture, uh, some problem. Not as easy as reading, but I, I usually memorize Scripture. Most of the time I do the... Uh, uh, the, uh, what the teens do with the, I can't even think of what it's called, the Word of Life verse pack, 24 verses, and take a test in uh, April or May, sometime around then. Um, so I'd encourage you to get that verse pack and memorize Scripture with the kids. If the teenagers can do it, you can do it. Oh, I'm too old. No, you're not. That part of your brain does not disappear. It's just not used. You think you can't memorize, it's because you don't try. Try. You do not lose the ability to memorize. We just quit exercising it. Uh, anything that doesn't get exercises withers. So, yes, you can if you will try. Memorize scripture. Meditation where you just stop and think. That's the hardest because life's so busy. Life is so busy. There's so much going on all the time. It's hard to get still and quiet and just think about the Word of God. To meditate mean, means to mull over and even to murmur, to speak it, to think about what God said. It's very important. Medi meditation is a very... It, there's more Bible verses that talk about blessing us for meditating on God's Word than there are that talk about blessing us for reading it. Meditate on the Word of God. Read it. Memorize it. Meditate on it. What do you do every day with the Word of God? Is that part of your daily life? It needs to be. I, 
one of the ultimate goals for me as a pastor is to get you in the Word of God. To get you to pray and to get in the Bible. Everything else will take care of itself. Most of the problems in your life will be gone if you'll do that. By the way, I heard a statistic recently. I, they did not source it, so I can't verify if it's true or not. Um, they said the divorce rate in this country, first marriage, is about 50%. I know that's true. I've heard that many, many times. Divorce rate for a second marriage is about 78%. That's really scary, isn't it? By the way, you get to a third, it's something like 96 or, nine or more. Uh, third and fourth marriages, or the fourth is 99 plus. Anybody that's been divorced four times is probably going to get divorced again. Uh, but maybe that fifth time is a charm. 50%, 78%. The divorce rate for couples who pray daily together is less than 1%. Think about that. You want to save your marriage? Start praying with your spouse. Many of you ladies, I won't, I won't ask you to raise your hand because I don't want to embarrass your husband, but many of the women in here would say, I wish my husband would pray with me. I, I know this is true because I've talked to too many women. They, uh, man, husbands, they wish you would pray with them. They would love to pray with you. Pray with your wife. Now, ladies, if he won't initiate it, tell him. Understand, this is just basic common knowledge among men. Women don't know this, but men do. Men are dumb. <laughs> when it comes to knowing what a woman wants. At some point, I, faced, I posted on Facebook that my advice to my son years ago was, son, women will never tell you what they want, but you're in trouble if you don't know. <laughs> and all the men said, amen. Right? It's true. Okay? She wants you to pray with her. She hasn't told you, so I'm telling you. It's true. You can go to your wife and say, is pastor wrong? Do you want me to not pray with you? And you come back and tell me if she says, no, I do not want you to pray with me. I, I really want to hear if that's the case because I know it's not going to happen. So I'm telling you, ladies, if your husband's not here, he's not listening, he fell asleep, give him the elbow, whatever, tell him because men are dumb when it comes to knowing what women want. You... We're supposed to read women's minds, and we can't. Tell him, I really would like it if we prayed together. Could we pray together? Don't be embarrassed. Tell him. He doesn't know that you want that. Tell him. Now, man, you're supposed to lead, but and later said, well, he's supposed to lead. He should know. He should do it. Well, he hasn't. So tell him. You are his help meet. That means you are to help him in ways where he falls short. He needs your help. He can't 
You know why God made a helper, made Eve? He made Eve to help Adam because Adam could not do, could not accomplish what God wanted him to do in life without Eve. Your husband needs you. He may not act like it. He might be a jerk. I know a lot of them. Been one sometimes. He needs your help. Let him know. Tell him. I want us to pray together. Divorce rate plummets if you pray together. In fact, I, I can say this. I, as a pastor, I've seen many people get divorced I, with not having asked that question, but I can pretty much guarantee every Christian couple that I've seen get divorced, I know they were not praying together. I know they weren't. They wouldn't have drifted apart like that if they had been. Pray together. Let's look at the next one, witnessing. In Acts 5.42, I knew Stephen would say amen to that. It's a wonderful witness. Uh, we, all, we need him to rub off a little on all of us. He's the only man I know that he doesn't just carry tracks, which is great. Not enough people carry tracks, but he's got them in multiple languages. Meet somebody and they speak Swahili. He's got a track for that. Whatever. He's got the track. Not, not just the easy one like Spanish or something. He's got them, all kinds of them. He even asked me, I can't find any tracks in uh, Nepal, ne Nepali, whatever the language of Nepal is. He said, I can't find any tracks in that language. I said, well, I heard of a missionary in Nepal. I'll ask him. I asked him. He said, you can't get them in the United States, but I'll send you some. And he sent me some tracks, and I gave them to Brother Stephen, and he's probably giving them all out because he meets everybody on earth. Uh, it's great. I'm telling you, we all need that kind of spirit. But Acts 5.42 says, And daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and to preach Jesus Christ. The reality is, the truth is, most Christians, this is horrible, most Christians never tell anyone about Jesus. Never. Most Christians will die never having witnessed to a single person. I should say most Christians in America. It's not true in all countries, but it's true in, uh, it's true in most of the developed countries, sadly. We'll never tell anybody about Jesus. What do you do every day to share Christ with others? You say, wait, you want me to witness to somebody every day? Listen, for some people, I want you to witness just once. Because you haven't witnessed ever. But you know what? Even if you won't witness to anybody, start praying. Start praying for your next door neighbors. Start praying for those in your family that are not saved. Start praying for people around you. Because you know what? I don't want to shame you into witnessing to somebody. That will not do any good. You will witness in the flesh and you'll make a mess. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You don't have, I'm not telling you you need to become a fisher of men. You just follow Jesus. You start praying. Ask God to give you a burden for lost souls. Pray 
And you'll be amazed at what starts coming out of your mouth. You only have, I'm not telling you to try. I'm telling you, start praying. You start praying for lost souls. You'll get a burden for lost souls. And next thing you know, you're thinking, this guy's got to get saved. You know what? I could at least give him a track. And you will. And you'll find out when you give out a track, they, they don't pull out a gun and shoot you. It doesn't happen that way. It might in some parts of the world, but not in this country. They will receive it and say thank you. 99% of the time. They may not read it, but they'll receive it. Give it to them. And you'll find out you, you'll develop a love for souls, which is what we all need. Hebrew, let's look at the next one. Hebrews 3.13 says, But exhort one another daily. Daily. While it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Exhort means to encourage, to embolden, to cheer, to use words or arguments to incite to good deeds. What's really interesting to me in that verse, though, is it says, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. He said, encourage one another daily, otherwise you end up in sin. Now, some people are kind of natural encouragers. They're always just encouragers. They're, they're just building people up all the time. It's great. Some people are more natural at that. But what he said there, lest you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. You see, when we start, I, I thought, I'm like, what? What does exhorting one another, not doing that, how does that cause us to sin? Well, when we exhort other people, we're thinking about others. We're not focused on ourselves. We're building them up. We're lifting them up. Oh, that takes humility. Get pride out of the way. Pride is a downfall for so many. It leads us to sin. Lift up others will help you stay out of sin. Who have you encouraged today? Exhorted, incited to good deeds. Helped them spiritually. What do you do every day to exhort and encourage people spiritually? Make that a part of your daily life. Ask God in the morning, who can I encourage today? Ask him. Help me. God, help me to be a blessing to somebody. I'm running out of time. I don't know how that happened. I had extra time today. The worst thing you can do is let me think that I have plenty of time. It's bad. The next one's interesting. Keep your promises. Keep your word. Psalm 61.8 says, So will I sing praise unto thy name forever, that I may daily perform my vows. Keep your word. Ecclesiastes 5.5 5 says, Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than that thou should vow and not pay. Keep your word to others. You know, there's a lot in the Bible about that. Uh, I'll just name some quickly. Psalm 15.4, Romans 131, 2 Timothy 3.3. 3. The, the last two, they talk about covenant breakers. 
truce breakers. When you say you're going to do something, do it. Let your yea be yea and your nay, nay. I, I had a man in my church in Alabama years ago. He would say, yeah, Pastor, I'm going to do this, and he wouldn't do it. Now, if he said, I give you my word, when he said, I give you my word, the man would die before he would go against that. That was honor to him. I gave my word. I absolutely must keep it. What he didn't understand is whether you say, I give you my word or not, when you say you're going to do something, do it. Psalm 15.4 talks about uh, the blessing on those who commit to something Basically, it's saying they realize it's going to cost them, and they do it anyway. They swear to their own hurt, but they do it anyway. You committed to do something. You committed to fix something for somebody. I'm going to charge you $200 to fix it. You get into the job, you're like, oh, my goodness. There's more problems than I knew. This broke, and that broke, and that went wrong. I need $500. No, you told me to fix it for two and eat the loss. That's keeping your word. Sometimes keeping your word will cost you. If you say you're going to do something, do it. Don't make excuses. I, we live in a nation of just excuses. There's an excuse for everything. Anything and everything. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. He did this. She did that. Whatever. We blame everybody but ourselves. Keep your word. It's important. If you say you're going to do it, do it. If you say you're not going to do it, don't do it. There may be times when you say you're going to do something and something happens and you can't. We're not perfect. But you go to the person and say, listen, I'm sorry. I told you I would do this and here's the problem and I'm very sorry. I can't, I can't follow through on this and I'm sorry and I ask you to forgive me. Let them know that your word matters. But if you possibly can, you keep it. What do you do every day to make sure your word is your bond? The Bible talks a lot about it. We think of it as, yeah, that's no big deal. It is a big deal. It's a big deal to God. It ought to be a big deal to us. The last one, and truthfully, this is the most important one. 1 Corinthians 15, 31, Paul said, I die daily. Death to self. And the truth is, everything else rests on this. Uh, Luke 9, Jesus talked about, you come to me, you have to give up your life. But give up your life to follow me. Death to self. What do you do every day to die to yourself? Oh, I often pray, Lord, I'm dead today. Do you know how many times I do things that are just plain because I want to? It's selfishness. That if I were truly dead, I wouldn't do that. Listen, in a few minutes, this service will end soon. Some of you think, finally. Uh, we're going to end the service. And we've asked people to stay and help with the decorations. You're thinking, but I'm hungry. I didn't eat enough donuts. I want to do this. I want to do that. I die to self and help put the decorations away. It's your first chance to carry it out. End the year well. 
die to self, practice that. Listen, it's hard. It's hard to truly be dead, to do nothing selfishly. That means you don't cut anybody off in traffic. You don't race around and, and go in that passing lane and cut in at the last minute. You let, other, you let other people come in ahead of you. Even when they were a jerk and raced up, and you're like, come on, buddy. You know this lane ends, and you just zoom past four cars, and you want to cut in in front of me. Let them. Oh, that's hard. I don't like that one. That's death to self. It's not about me. But he's a jerk. Yeah, sometimes you're a jerk too. Let him in. Die to self. It's not easy. Our daily habits determine much of our lives. What are yours? What do you do every day? What, do, what is it you're not doing that you need to start? Bible reading? Prayer? Dying to self? Witnessing? Exhorting others? Keeping your word? What do you need to start? What do you need to stop? We can cover that. What do you need to stop? Song of Solomon 2.15 says, The little foxes that spoil the vine. You know, it's the little things that make a big difference. Little things matter. It's the little compromise. Well, this is no big deal. Well, that's no big deal. Well, yeah, I'm watching this movie and they're taking God's name in vain, but you know, it's only a few times. And the rest of the movie is good. It's the little things. I, I was horrified. There was a, a, a program on HBO, uh, Game of Thrones. I don't have HBO. I don't know why any Christian would have HBO. I knew more about the program from watching ESPN because they talked about it regularly on there for some reason. And everything I heard, the program was trash. Well, yeah, but we like it. Listen, ladies, let me tell you something. You're watching shows where there's naked women on there, and you think that your husband is not lusting after that woman. You're living in fantasy land. Don't you dare let that in your home. Man, you shouldn't be letting that in your home. But ladies sitting down watching it with their husband, why would you do that? You're saying, go ahead, honey, lust after her. That's what they're doing, I promise you. Don't let the little things. I can consider that a little thing, but sadly today, most people do. That's no big deal. Nudities and everything. It's the God made the body. It's okay. No God made clothes, too. Read Genesis chapter 3. Who covered up Adam and Eve? God did. They tried it themselves, and the fig trees don't, fig leaves don't work so well. God made them clothes. Do not allow that in your home. It's a little thing that's causing big problems. Big problems. Romans 14, 22 says, Happy is he that condemneth not himself in the thing which he alloweth. What are you allowing that shouldn't be in your life? Get rid of it. Daily. 
what do you do every day? It's going to make a big difference in your life. Get the right habits. January 1st, we all start new. We like a new start. Thank God he lets us start new over and over and over again. Start the year right. Get these things in your life that should be and get the other junk out. If you die to self, the other stuff will go. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Bless us, God. Help us to develop the daily habits that you want us to have. Being in your word, praying, witnessing, exhorting one another, keeping our word, and it all starts with death to self. God, help us to truly be dead to self, but alive unto you. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. God, we want to be used of you in 2024. Bless us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. We're going to sing a song of invitation. If you're not sure that you're saved, oh, that's the most important thing. In this year, right, come to know Jesus. Won't you come down and let us show you from the Word of God how you can know that you have eternal life. If you need to come and pray, you're welcome to do that. If you know this is where God wants you to have your your church membership. Every Christian should be a member of a church. That's biblical. Come and see Pastor Chuck. Whatever the need is, we're here to help. Come now as we sing. us daily with benefits he's so good now listen i i want you to pray this it's been a hard year for a lot of people i i never stay up to midnight on new year's eve typically 
I might stay up tonight to make sure 2023 goes. <laughs> I don't like this year. It's been a hard year for me and my wife, but I, so many, it was last January that John O'Neill fell and uh, still having major issues. Both legs had to have surgery. And, uh, I noticed Mike Morgan didn't come back up. Usually that means Rebecca's not doing well. She is uh, suffering from Lyme disease and Babesia. She has both of them and has been very, very hard on her. Just a young woman physically can, uh, can't even get out of bed at times. Her husband has to lift her up. It's so tragic. Pray for her. Breaks my heart to see young people going through so much. Um, a lot of people have had a tough year. But you know what? I, my saying for this year, the year was bad, but God is good. Amen. God's been, I've seen God's grace in so many ways. It's just been amazing. I, I could stand all day and tell stories about how good he's been to me just this year. He's been good. I, but I want us to pray for her. Rebecca, especially. Pastor Chuck. Okay. Um, just a couple of quick announcements. I have some Bible reading schedules, and there's a bunch out in the foyer there. If you'd like to take one, you can start uh, reading the Bible. It's about 10, 15 minutes a day, and you'll have it read in a whole year. And, um, you know, just make that a commitment. That's something you can start, which is a, a good New Year's resolution to make if you want to go ahead and do that. And uh, tonight, uh, my house is open for a New Year's Eve uh, celebration party. Someone came up and said, what are you having to eat? And I said, whatever you bring. <laughs> so uh, bring something to share. We'll play some games. You can come for a while the whole time. Leave whenever you want to. Uh, should be a, a great time. And then remember, we are undecorating for uh, taking down the de Christmas decorations. And... Uh, We've done this many times in less than an hour uh, if a bunch of you stay and help. So please help us out. That would be a huge blessing. Rhonda Hillman is here. She'll be in the teen wing, and uh, she kind of directs that. So talk to her if you want to volunteer and help. All right, let's pray. Father, we do pray for Rebecca and lift her up. I do pray that she's doing well, that she's okay, and that um, you would just touch her and heal her. And, uh, Lord, there's so many people. I, I looked around as Pastor was talking about a bad year. Uh, there's so many people that went through so many things. And, um, but we know you were good. And you're always good. And we're here. And uh, we're optimistic. I am about a great 2024. So, Lord, help us to make these little things, um, do these little things daily and have a productive wonderful 2024. We love you. We praise you and thank you over and over again for your goodness and your mercy to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.